Hello, and welcome to the Nourishing Liberty podcast. I'm your host, Liz Reitzig. This is a podcast about our food systems and how we fit into them. Today, I have a really special guest, a good friend and nutritionist, Sarah Q. Sarah, thank you so much for joining on the Nourishing Liberty podcast, where we will talk about food systems, nutrition, what you do, what I do, and how we can help people thrive. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It's going to be, it's going to be a good talk. Yes. And we're going to give people some key takeaways. Mm-hmm. So one thing I want to start with, because we use this term a lot, food systems, what does this mean today? Now we have this overarching, you know, we can go to the grocery store anytime we want here in the States. We can get pretty much any food we think about, we can access. So to me, a food system is this big conglomerate of uh, the industrial food system and farmers on the, on the global level who are producing things and all the processors and all the distributors. That's our, our big monolithic food system. Would you add anything to that? Well, I mean, I think there's that interesting statistic too that, you know, how we used to be such largely an agrarian society, right? So many people used to grow their own food and now what is it less than 1% of our population actually grows our food today in this country. So I always think that's a pretty, you know, staggering statistic when you think about it. And so much of that food is just coming from the industrial system, not small farms. Yes, which Brings me to the second question, which is, do we have more than one food system in the US? We just talked about that big industrial food system that's global, but do we have another alternative? We sure do. (laughs) That's what you're part of. Yeah, I mean, we have this other awesome, I wanna say just kind of movement of people that are, are getting back to their roots, you know, of what this country used to be like right and growing food in a totally different way and you know we can give that all sorts of labels right regenerative agriculture sustainable agriculture all these different terms that get thrown around but I think essentially it's it's farming with nature and not against nature and that's what makes it fundamentally different um, from our conventional industrial system but um yeah and just doing things on a smaller scale right and having more local regional you know, hubs and, and, you know, food systems like yours, you know, like what you're doing. So Sarah, with the concept of food systems and our large industrial food system versus a maybe smaller localized food system, Mm -hmm. we still have this something on an individual level called nutrition, right? And this is where you really come in and where you've studied and you've dedicated your life and your work to. And when we think about individual nutrition, mm-hmm. that's, that's on the micro level, but it's a big part of this bigger umbrella food systems and mm-hmm. how we then as individuals are interacting with food systems and what we get from them, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, it's two different ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, it's it's a little it's even a little hard to grapple with because it's like we can't really talk about nutrition without having some level of understanding about what the food systems mm-hmm. have to offer us. But can you start with? giving a little bit more background of your expertise in nutrition and then what is the what is the study of nutrition and nutrition sciences yeah god that's a really good question actually because you know when I first started my journey now I have a background in ecological work so I got my undergraduate degree back in Colorado where I'm from and I was you know on track to be a conservation biologist so Yeah. So it was before I even got into the health and wellness space. And I always had a love of nutrition and health and wellness. And it was within the last year of my program that I decided to totally, you know, switch tracks with my career. And then I moved to the East coast 10 years ago and got my master's degree in nutrition. 
And so that whole, that whole journey was very interesting because I was really at sort of a crossroads at that point, um, like multiple crossroads, like, do I stay on this track of conservation work? And if I go into the world of nutrition, like which path am I going to take? Because there's, and it's, it's a little bit confusing for, I think the, the average person to understand if they don't know what's going on within the nutrition world, but essentially you have two major tracks. You can be a registered dietitian, um, or you can kind of go the more integrative holistic route. And this isn't to, you know, put down RDs by any means, any registered dietitians. But when I looked at those programs, they are taught from a totally different standpoint. It's more based on the conventional system. You got the food pyramid that they're still sort of preaching and promoting, which we know is just all wrong, terrible dietary advice. But it gets deeper than that. You can look at who funds the registered dietitians board. And it's Monsanto, Bayer. Um, you also got big, you know, food companies, um, Kellogg's used to be a sponsor. I'm not sure if they still are Pepsi Cola, big grain companies, you know, and that's clearly a huge conflict of interest. We shouldn't have food corporations and big ag, um, you know, organizations funding registered dietitians. So I knew I wasn't going to go that route and I wanted to go, you know, the, the more holistic route, integrative route. So yeah, my program was taught from you know, what we call an integrative perspective and integrative, you know, people probably heard this term a lot, integrative medicine, integrative nutrition. It's where you're integrating in different modalities. So you're looking at Western medicine, you're looking at Eastern medicine, um, conventional therapies, alternative therapies, you know, everything, whatever it takes to help somebody heal and actually get to the root cause of their issues, right. And not just address symptoms and, and, you know, telling people to keep eating based off the food pyramid <laughs> recommendations. So, so yeah, that's, you have this kind of interesting dichotomy, right? Within the nutrition world of, you know, you got the sort of conventional old school approach to nutrition and then this newer way of thinking about nutrition and, you know, they very much align, you know, with different food systems, which I think is super fascinating. <laughs> well, I love the way you explained that, Sarah, because understanding that concept of integrative health. And we, we have these terms, integrative, holistic. We rarely take the time to explain what they actually mean. Yes. And so integrative is integrating whatever modality is right for the person you're, you're working with. Yeah. And holistic, which is a word I use often, <laughs> actually means looking at the whole system. The whole, yep. And yep. in the work you do and in the work I do, we are looking at this whole system, the whole system of a person's body, mind, energy, well-being. Mm -hmm. And then you and I take it another step and we look outside of this individual organism into the system that that organism exists in, which is our ecosystems and how we are, uh, how we are relating to our foodscapes and our bioregion. Yes. So this yeah. is all important concepts to understand. I mean, I know that if somebody's hearing this for the first time, it's a lot to digest, no pun right. intended. It really is a deep dive into, like you said, a different way of viewing this. It's a different lens, a different perspective. Actually, it's probably a different perspective and a different lens at the same time. Yeah. So it's a new way of thinking about whole body wellness mm -hmm. and how that relates to the external world that we are living in. Bingo. Yep. That was beautiful what you said, because yeah, that's, that's one of the main things I try to teach my clients is how their food choices are actually impacting the planet, their communities. Right. And, you know, I, I called my practice eco nutrition and you know, that I really want people to think about ecosystems, their, your inner ecosystem, how to nourish and take care of your inner ecosystem with what's going on physiologically in your body and your microbiome and all that good stuff. But also what is happening outside of you, you know, and even in your home, you know, do you have a healthy ecosystem within your home? Are you supporting a healthy ecosystem outside of you with your food choices and what kind of farming are you supporting? So you know, when we talk about regenerative agriculture too, we can't just regenerate soil. Um, that's a huge part of it, but we got to regenerate our communities and our, our, our planet, really. We have to regenerate everything. Yes. And giving an example of that, I'll, I'll 
speak off the cuff here if I can think of something. Um, we are interdependent beings. We are, as humans, we are designed to be in community. We are people oriented. And so if we are in a community that is uh, failing or full of, um, let's see, challenges, tragedies, yeah. if we're in that community, we are literally going to be affected by that because we're interdependent, because we are social beings. So can you think of a better example off the cuff of a way that what's going on around us and how, our, how, how that affects our wellness, whether it's on a small scale or whether it's on a larger scale? Well, I mean, gosh, I think there's probably a lot of examples, right? Just even within our, with our families, you know, that little kind of micro system, you know, we all affect each other within the home and then our community outside of us, your neighborhood. And then it grows even larger than that within your county and state. And, you know, it's, we are all very connected. You're absolutely right. I mean, that's our food system kind of all brings us together too, or we can yeah. isolate. Yeah. You know, I feel like shopping in grocery stores and, and not that I don't shop in grocery stores, it's not a criticism <laughs> by any means, but, you know, shopping in a grocery store can feel like such an incredibly isolating experience versus going to a farmer's market. Yes. Right. It's mm -hmm. just it's like, you're forming, you're part of a community at a farmer's market. You're part of like a bunch of people who barely even smile at each other sometimes walking, you know, walking around a grocery store, you're not even shaking hands with the person growing your food and you're just trusting a label versus actually having a conversation with somebody. So I think, you know, just thinking of food systems and that topic, like that's to me, that's part of that connectedness. To go off on a small tangent here, mm -hmm. uh, I, I've recently been reading about and understanding more, listening to about the importance of jobs that are meaningful in our communities and that without that direct connection my work is affecting you in this way without that direct connection and that feedback i'll develop a sense of lack of meaning in my life and when we have that on a broad scale we get escalated rates of depression increased loneliness epidemic we get the symptoms that we are seeing on a cultural level. And I will even say on a global level right now. Yeah. And so I love that you brought that up about the difference between a grocery store, which is a system that's too big right now. Right. It's too big to address it on the individual level. Yes. Although we must. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but that system divorces us from those who are producing our food and those who are making that food ready through processing or through distribution, making that ready for us. Mm -hmm. And so they are disconnected from the people who they're bringing meaning to. And then we become disconnected from how our food is being produced, where our food is being produced, how are the animals being cared for that are helping in our food production. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm glad you said that because it's, it's one of those things that is so intuitive, but until it's kind of spelled out, it, it just, we, yeah. we've just absorbed into this, you know, there's that saying about like a fish doesn't realize it's surrounded by water. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, what do we not realize? What is the water around us that we don't realize? And I think, especially for people, our generation and younger, there's so many things that we've never known it to be different. Yes. But grocery stores are super brand new. Mm -hmm. So you touched on something like it's a microcosm of this bigger picture of the, uh, the ways that our food systems, conventional food systems do not serve us. Right. Do not serve us. Yep. And, yeah. you know, we start with our family, right? You got to start with what you do in your own home and then you can spread that to friends and family and have potlucks and really we have to cultivate a new culture right we need a cultural shift yes. cultural this this whole paradigm has to shift on how we view 
our connectedness to to um, each other, but our land, right? Like how our health is directly coming from soil and all these things that nourish us. Absolutely. So that leads very nicely into the next question. And that's looking at if somebody is hearing you say all this, but they say, yes, but Sarah, what do I eat? Right. right? <laughs> and so that's, that's a top down versus a bottom up lens, because if somebody's coming to you and they're like, I have this symptom and this and this and this and this and this, what do I need to eat? Right. Then you can guide them very clearly on what they need to eat. However, that's sort of the top down that's looking at specific foods, specific nutrients mm -hmm. versus the bottom up, which might be on a much larger, a larger picture, shall we say, right. Of what works, right? Like, what do you see that works over and over and over globally in different cultures? What works as, as in regards to the principles of nutrition? So, um, I mean, that's quite a lot to address as a nutritionist, but um, there's, there's, there's those two concepts, the top down, the bottom up. How yeah. do you, how do you integrate those two in your practice? Yeah. And what does it mean for somebody who's struggling with, well, what do I actually put on my plate? Yeah, that's where, you know, what I, my work is so individualized because I don't do cookie cutter protocols and just take a, you know, one size fits all approach to people's health and wellness. And, you know, I think there's basic templates, you know, that help people, for example, just eating mostly whole food and getting away from processed food, right. Is a, sometimes a simple change for people, but sometimes really big change. So, you know, I think there's certain principles like that, that are pretty foundational for a lot of people, if you really want to have optimal health, but yeah, if someone comes to my practice with a thyroid issue. Um, okay, let's try to figure out why there's a thyroid issue. It's not just about, oh, take this herb or, you know, eat this food. We really want to do some investigative work. You know, it's like a lot of detective work within the functional integrative medicine world. Functional medicine is another term that gets thrown around a lot. And basically what that means is we're just trying to get your body to function the way it's supposed to and not take a band-aid approach of, you know, making your symptoms go away and just thinking that we've resolved an issue. But yeah, um, we want to support your body's function. So with a thyroid issue, are you missing selenium? Are you missing zinc? Are you missing certain, you know, key B vitamins? How are you managing your stress? You know, do you got toxin overload? Are your, are your adrenals working well, right? It can get really complex. It's never as simple as just changing your diet, even though a diet overhaul is going to make a huge difference for someone's health, right? But I, I get plenty of people that come to my practice that have amazing diets and, you know, we have to do some deeper, deeper work, some investigative work to figure out what is actually driving this condition that you have. And it can get very complex. I, I think people initially come into expecting it like, you know, to be, oh, okay, I'm gonna walk away with meal plan and maybe take a couple supplements and that's going to fix my issue. But, you know, no, we can optimize sleep. And I mentioned toxins and, you know, correcting B vitamin deficient or all sorts of vitamin deficiencies, right? Looking at vitamins and minerals and um, it can get really complex, but slowly we peel back the layers and just try to get to the root cause. So that's what makes this whole field of, of work very, very different from the conventional system, right? Well, one of the things I think you told me a while back that I love that stuck with me is if you sometimes might have um, people coming in and, and basically just asking what they should eat or, or maybe they're, they're having some issue they ask you what they should eat. You tell them, then they come back. They're still maintaining all their old lifestyle habits. And they just want you to fix it with like a supplement or a, an herb or something. And you're, and, and you said, <laughs> you tell people, well, if you're not willing to make the changes, then you're not ready for the, the work. Yeah, you're, not, exactly. you're not ready for this. You're not ready for the healing. Yeah. And I think that's, it's so fundamental. It's something that we can easily go to we, we do we tend to want those quick answers the quick fixes that's part um, of our culture <laughs> yeah yeah um but you're so right that this is something that takes deliberation it takes intention yes uh, and and you have to be willing to change is that a scary word some yeah. of the unhealthy habits that led to whatever illness causes them to show up at your door. That's right. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I always do my best as a practitioner to meet people where they're at and yeah. it's never about making forceful, huge, big, scary changes. Um, you know, some people need baby steps and some people are ready for like huge dramatic overhaul. And that's fine. And like I said, I meet people where they're at, but at the very least people have to have a willingness to learn how to nourish themselves in a totally different way. Um, so openness is very, very crucial part of anyone's healing process. Really. If you have openness to, to learn new things, um, that's key, you know, mindset is really, really essential in, in someone's healing process. It, I often tell patients, it's not, it's not the people that do everything 100% perfect to the T that necessarily get better. It's the people that really just have, that are very dedicated to their health and open to learning. And Hey, you may not do everything perfect right away and, you know, make that complete overhaul change or, you know, give up gluten or whatever it is that's, you know, that's causing your issue. It's the people that just keep trying and keep plugging along and keep learning and stay open to, to new ideas and thought processes that really make profound changes. Yes. I love that. I mean, <laughs> that's happened to me so many times in my life. Yeah. So I think it's something that, um, comes with also the natural changes of time and age, right? Yeah. And the yeah. softening of like, maybe, maybe we're really strict about something in our younger years or um, won't even entertain the idea of giving something up or right. <laughs> um, getting enough sleep or <laughs> sleep at the right hours. And then you know, we mellow. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Or unfortunately, people start running into health issues, right? Because when you're young yeah. and relatively free of a lot of chronic diseases that, you know, we end up getting later in life, you know, young people tend to think they're a little more invincible and, yes. <laughs> and they just don't take it as seriously at times. But, you know, it's not universally true, of course. But yeah, I think unfortunately, it, it takes some people to get to a disease state in order to make change, which is really unfortunate, right? Because we want yeah. to prevent these things because it's so much easier to prevent than it is to reverse a chronic disease. Yes, I, I love that you said that. I love it. Yeah. Prevention, yes. Prevention is so key. And that's that's one thing I always applaud, you know, younger people coming into my practice. You know, I've worked with kids and teenagers and, you know, young adults in their 20s. It's just, I always applaud them for really making this important step in their health to, to prevent issues that can happen later down the road. So, yeah. Yeah, that's always important. Mm -hmm. So getting back to the bigger picture of community and ecosystems, the, the regeneration that you and I love to nerd out on all the time, how, how does this relate? How does the food you choose relate to this larger conversation of regeneration, soil health, ecosystems? Uh, what can you say to that? Like if, oh if, gosh, so if, you, if you're telling somebody um, nutritionally, mm -hmm. they need X, Y, or Z nutrients. Mm -hmm. Well, are we going to go out and get a bottle of supplements or are we going to look at certain foods? And then if we look at certain foods, are we looking at where those foods are sourced from? And does that make a difference? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I mean, our health, when I say our health truly comes from the soil, right? You know, there, we know that food that's coming from more regenerative operations, you know, um, that are farming with nature and taking care of their soil tend to have more nutrient, you know, more nutrients or more nutrient dense. And I think it goes even beyond that. I think a lot of people talk about the nutrient density of food a, a little too much, to be honest. I think there's a lack of focus on the microbiome and the fact that when we, when we source food, foods from a healthier system, right, uh, from a healthier farming operation, it's just richer in all these microbes that are going to help enrich our own inner ecosystem. So it's not just that nutrient density. And of course, eating things more locally, you're getting things more fresh, right? They're just going to have more nutrients versus something trucked in from California. And that's been sitting on the shelf for who knows how long. And, you know, it's, and you can tell within the flavor of the food, right? People know that, you know, homegrown, there's nothing like a homegrown tomato. Yeah. You know, there's nothing like <laughs> you can't, you, you know, these hydroponic operations and all this stuff, you know, industrial scale strawberries from Driscoll's, like, I'm sorry, that's not going to give you the nutrient density of a, you know, homegrown piece of fruit. So 
Yeah. I mean, there's that aspect of it. And then I think there's something that nourishes you on a very different sort of spiritual level of knowing that when you are purchasing something from a farmer and supporting the work that they're doing to help, you know, regenerate their, their own ecosystem on their farm and to restore the biodiversity on their, their farming operation. I mean, when you step foot onto a place like that, it's just lovely. And, you know, you've been to countless farms and I've been to countless farms all over the country and looking at different operations. And it's just, it's very touching, right. To see what they're doing and to know that when you're purchasing food, from that type of system, right? You're doing such a good thing for the planet and for the livelihood of that farmer and for your own health and wellness of your family. And it's just like that whole beautiful aspect of everything is very spiritually nourishing, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to focus in on one thing you said, which is that gut microbiome. And This is a term that's newer in that I don't think I ever heard it growing up, even though I was uh, (laughs) peripheral to those worlds. Right. Um, Yep. And and it's a, it's used a lot now. Mm -hmm. And I've followed and studied the research and watched it unfold and watched it become more of a known thing for many years now. And one thing that I find really interesting related to that, specific to that, is the concept of how diverse that gut microbiome needs to be. And that relies on us eating diverse foods. Yes. Thank you. Yes. So even if I'm taking a probiotic supplement and I'm eating yogurt every day and I'm doing this, I'm still losing out if I'm not eating a huge variety of fibrous plants. Absolutely. a variety of um, levels of cooked food, right? You can't just be all like super cooked. Have that sushi, have that yeah. steak tartare. Yeah. Um, yeah. Explore well, those things, right? Have some raw eggs, right? Yes. Because yes. our bodies and our gut microbiome mm-hmm. needs that diversity of input. 100%. Yes, you're so spot on. That's something I teach a lot about too, is not, you know, diversifying your food, not only just from the standpoint of diversifying all the nutrients that you're getting, right? But yeah. yes, the microbiome. I think we get too hyper-focused sometimes on, on the nutrients and not that that's not important at all, but I, I, I really kind of put a bigger emphasis now on the microbiome and we have a microbiome throughout our body, yes. right? So we talk about, I think um, I just gave a talk the other day, actually in my presentation and, and I'm kind of guilty of this sometimes too, that when we use the term microbiome, that sometimes we're using that synonymously to, you know, to, to mean the gut microbiome, right? It's not just the gut microbiome. We have a microbiome throughout the entire body, skin, respiratory tract, vaginal tract, everything, you know, we have, we have microbiomes throughout the entire body yeah. and we have to nourish all of those in different ways, but diversifying your diet is huge. And, you know, I use supplements, in my practice for sure. But if you do not have the good diet in place and that, that quality of the food, right. Not just eating a whole food diet, but really being careful about your sourcing, you know, that you need the synergy of all that together. Definitely. You know, I used to be kind of a practitioner when I first started practicing that was like food only didn't really believe in a lot of supplements and was just convinced we could get everything through diet, but I didn't see people get, you know, the more spectacular results until we kind of did some testing and then did some supplementation. Right. And then had that synergy of everything together. And the converse is true too. You know, people are not going to get amazing results just doing supplements and diet, of course, and doing the lifestyle changes and all that. But, um, yeah, I would just see remarkable changes with that synergy of everything. And I think that's what it's about because we do live in a modern world where unfortunately we're not like, um, I always use the example of the Hadza people in Tanzania. This is a tribal group that's uh, modern day hunter gatherers, right? And they have a microbiome that's just out of this world compared to ours. I mean, it's the diversity they have is absolutely amazing. And I, I you know, have this kind of little graph of all the microbes that are in their gut compared to our gut. I use that in my talks and I, I just demonstrate to people like, look, we want to try to mimic that as much as we can, but we have a lot against us working against us. Unfortunately, we got EMF exposure and toxins and, you know, of course the processed foods and chronic stress, we live a very different lifestyle. So yeah, we kind of need some different supplement inputs from time to time to help us along, but the diet is, you know, good diet is foundational, of course, without question. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to see stories like the one you reference. Uh, and one thing that, that stood out to me recently within the past year or so is the concept that um, 
speaking specifically to the gut microbiome, because yeah. it's about what we're eating, that yeah. we need something like 32, I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that number. So it's something shockingly high number of different types of plant fiber. Mm. So maybe it's like incorporating these different 32 beans and legumes and grains in your diet regularly. And so it's literally like if you go and you get whole wheat bread week after week after week. And you're like, oh, I'm getting enough fiber. No, you're right. not because you're not getting enough of the variety of variety. Fiber. And because the different microbes feed on the different types of fiber and we need them yep. all. Bingo. Yep. That's how you create the most diverse microbiome. I mean, yeah, most of us could probably have pretty decent health having, you know, a few different fibers, but do you want optimal health or decent health? You know, do you really yeah. want to be the most, have the most vibrant health that you can have? Then yeah, I'm a big believer in different fibers. And there's a lot of controversy with that when it comes to like the the whole carnivore diet, we don't have to necessarily get into that where people are just exclusively eating animal products. Right. And I think that diet can be used therapeutically to help people, but long-term I have questions about what that does to the, to the gut microbiome. Um, but I don't want to discount meat either because, right. you know, we know that meats, yeah. you know, animal proteins are huge, um, part of the diet is so, so essential to have in, in my belief. Yes. And, um, we know now there's some fascinating research from Dr. Steph, uh, Stefan Van Vliet's he was with Duke University. I think he's in Utah now. And he is looking at all the different phytonutrients in animal proteins and animal fat. And when we say phyto, the word phyto means plant, right? So when I first heard this phytonutrients in meat, how's that possible? You know, yeah. well, of course, an animal, you know, ruminant animals and herbivores like that, you know, they're, they're eating a whole variety, ideally, right? A variety of plants too. If we give those animals just corn and hay, and we're not giving them a variety of foods to eat, they're not going to be as healthy, right? And we don't get all those amazing phytonutrients. But if we eat an animal from a regenerative pasture that has all this incredible diversity on the pasture, right, of, of plants, they are getting all those phytonutrients, all those wonderful fibers and everything to nourish their microbiome. Because it's also these phytonutrients, which are kind of like different antioxidant compounds that oh. also feed the microbes. A great example is uh, spring butter, right? Yes. Because you have what happens, I'll, I'll tell this quick story and then you can chime in with additional is that those cows are out there eating that grass that is growing super fast in the spring because as soon as the air temperatures hit 60 degrees, it is that grass just starts going whoosh and that grass is filled with beta carotene. Yes. And so the, the cows nibble, 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 nibble. They eat all that grass. They love it. It's perfect. It's just right for them that time of year. And then their milk is so rich in the beta carotene, it turns it yellowish. Yellow. And when you, when you then separate the fat and then turn that fat into butter, you get this bright yellow butter and it's amazing. And then that we take. Yep. Now, do you know when you get that butter, so beta carotene is a precursor to the vitamin A that we need, yes. but not all of us can make the vitamin A we need. That's so right. do you know what is the ratio of beta carotene to vitamin A in that spring rich? Butter? I was just thinking about that as you were talking. <laughs> I really don't know, but now I want to look that up because yeah, yeah that's a really interesting thought because there's definitely got to be some conversion to retinol in there. It's probably, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd be curious to really see what a breakdown of all the nutrients in, in yeah, in that spring butter. But that's an example that uh -huh. like, we probably could not chew or digest enough plant matter to get the amount of beta carotene we Bingo. could get in a couple tablespoons of that really rich butter. Right. Because so, we know the ruminant animals can do that for us, of course, right? Exactly. Like we can't just go out and graze on the grass and exactly you know, eat all those different things yeah. and get those nutrients the way they can. So yeah. that's an example of the animals converting the phytonutrients uh -huh. to something that's really tasty. Yes, that's a beautiful <laughs> example. Yeah, butter. But yeah. even in the animal fat, right? A nice steak. Yes. And, mm -hmm. you know, patients still ask me, is it okay to eat the fat in the steak? I said, absolutely. Yes. That's the best part. It's <laughs> Especially if it's cooked right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I get the, fat, the fattiest, like ground meat, right? Like I always try to find 70 30 and, you know, it's usually mm. at least an 80, 20 kind of thing, right. With the ground beef, but you know, don't go for the lean stuff all the time. If you know, that was a healthy animal, then get that fat. Those fats are so nourishing and they, they hold a lot of nutrients in there. The fat can store a lot of different fat soluble nutrients. 
Absolutely. Yeah, so the conversation on uh, diversity, it's not just the plant diversity that we need, but we do need. It's also about getting that whole diversity because we're gonna be getting different nutrients from different types of foods. Yeah. And then um, you were talking about supplements, some supplements, and of course these are tailored yes. because different people need different things based on their diets, based on their uh, exertion, based mm -hmm. on uh, their environment. Yep. Uh, but what I've learned about supplementation is that the way that we've been farming for so many years, and that includes stuff we don't eat, right? So for example, where I live in Maryland, this entire area used to be tobacco. Wow. And so tobacco takes so much. And, and really, honestly, Sarah, this whole an entire swath of this bioregion used to be growing. Tobacco. I didn't know that. It's amazing. So we were like Kentucky and all those Southern states. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. So, um, that takes, it depletes the soil. It really does. Yeah. And so sure does. when we are looking at food that we're eating within a certain bioregion, we have to know to some extent yeah. what's going on with that soil. Right. Because if you're getting tomatoes, cucumbers, beans, whatever, from a certain soil, it might not have something important in it that you're counting on. So maybe a nutritional study on, um, gosh, I can't even think of anything right now. But maybe, maybe somebody, some scientist somewhere did a nutritional study on the nutritional components of beans and found that this one bean type was had this much magnesium in it or knots or whatever, pick your, pick your food, right. X amount of magnesium. Well, that might be true for that soil at that time, right? but that exactly. does not translate to the soil that's been used for growing corn or soybeans or tobacco for 100%. decades. Yes. Even if it hasn't been growing that particular crop for 40 or 50 years, unless there's been intentional remediation of that soil regeneration, we're still going to be missing key nutrients, which means the foods produced on those soils are going to be missing those key nutrients. It doesn't mean don't eat those foods. Right. It does mean that you might need to supplement with what's missing. So yeah. I'm glad you brought that up about supplement because we're not, yeah. there's no like absolutism or extremism. Right. It's, it's really yeah. particular. Yes. Yep. And that's where testing is so important too. Cause there is a blood test that I do a micronutrient test that'll look at deficiencies. So I've done it on myself over the last gosh, almost eight years now, I think. And it's been amazing to see the changes over time. You know, a lot of my clients, you know, the, the first test that they do and then retesting later and looking at how their status changes. Um, and that's, that's actually where I discovered that food alone doesn't quite do it, you know, because the reality is I test someone and okay, you're really low in selenium, make sure you're eating Brazil nuts every day and, you know, fish and, you know, all these foods that are rich in selenium and they might do it to some degree, but the reality is people are going to be more consistent with taking supplements sometimes in the dietary approaches. Right. And that's, you know, I always take that into consideration, but I, you know, of course, emphasize you need to add these foods in alongside the supplementation and the supplementation kind of just speeds up the, the repletion process, right. To help you get that nutrient into your system quicker, but taking a multi or, you know, just, just some kind of generic thing like that isn't going to cut it, unfortunately. And I'm not saying they don't help. It's a little bit of backup insurance from what yeah. you might be, you know, you might not be getting in your diet. Um, but, you know, really getting to the root of a nutrient deficiency requires some testing and, and to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. Now, Sarah, in the work that you do and the work I do, they overlap a little bit, right? So you're really focusing in you're getting under the microscopes, so to speak, on a person. Yeah. And the nutrition that they're getting and the lifestyles and how do those lifestyles and nutrition interact? And then I feed people, <laughs> I feed people all day long. Yeah. And I feed people and I connect with the farms and I find great sources of food. So, how do you see these two? Uh, how do you see these two overlapping and these, these callings, right? Because we're each, so passionate about what we do and we're so passionate about what the other one does and yeah. they're both key because we we talk about healthy people mm -hmm. healthy communities healthy earth yeah 
right? Yeah. We love our world. Our world, I know. So we love our communities. So yeah. what are the compliments there? God, well, I, you know, you know how I feel about you and your work. I feel like you're such a blessing, you know, to this whole region here. And we're so lucky to have you because I mean, you're one of my first resources for my clients as far as sourcing goes, you know, in that first session, I'm talking to people about their food and how to source it better, right? Like that's, that's, like I said, foundational to the healing process. So no matter what they have going on, I'm learning all about where are you getting your food from? And, you know, 90% of the time or more, they're still going to grocery stores and that sort of thing. And it's like, okay, let's start integrating in some other some other options and connecting with the farmers. So yeah, we're both very passionate about nourishing people and supporting farmers and supporting healthy ecosystems. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of overlap there. And I think it's, it's just such a, you know, the, the, the buying club that you offer with this food hub is just so, it's such a valuable resource that every region in this country needs if we're going to really change our food system right and yeah. if we can continue to grow that in different areas across this country i i mean we can really create a revolution and yes. shift this whole food system so people have to obviously care about their health enough which i think most people do you know we're seeing so many chronic diseases continue to rise sadly and you know there's all sorts of sad statistics that we could spout off but you know I think people get the picture they're seeing things around them and in their own health it's alarming and they know they have to make changes and it does start with with the food system it really does well and that's that's the direction of the the food going to the people and what I want to add to that and I love everything you said I think it's spot on I want to add to that that the alternative food system needs eaters, right? We need people who are going to make yeah. that extra step and, and, and find a local farm or yeah. support a local buying club. And it, it really is a two-way street because without the support from the people who aren't growing all of their calories, which is all of us, yeah. then yeah. <laughs> the farms fail. Yes. Right. And so we have to keep okay. that in mind is that this is a uh, <laughs> it's a codependent relationship. No, yes. it's a um, it's an interdependent relationship. <laughs> that yeah. that the the farmers and these small alternative food systems need yeah they need that that support yeah. and they need that that feedback. Mm -hmm. And then when you have that direct relationship with a farmer, you have immediate um, uh, feedback. It's that feedback loop, right? Yeah. So, if something you want a little bit different, or maybe you want a slightly different cut of meat for a dish you're making, you have that direct relationship. You have that direct connection. As we all learn to grow more of our own or to process more of our own or cook more in our own kitchens, we need this interdependence and it helps everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, like I said, people have to want to change. And I think most people do. Um, it's just taking those first few steps and, and, you know, learning a new way to nourish yourself. That's, that's the hard part, but you know, once you kind of embrace a new philosophy, I think people are just, you know, they're so happy, right. They're so happy yes. to be doing what they're doing to support local farmers. And they feel so much better. You know, people feel amazing. They feel like they go through a transformation. And I, I feel like you said, I'm, I'm remembering a thought I had as you were speaking about, um, you know, yeah, we need the people there to actually support the farmers. And that's where we really need my field of practitioners to get on board with this ASAP. And I wrote, you know, a paper at the beginning of the pandemic, an article that I think I'd sent to you talking about how, you know, we really like, we want to transform this whole situation with our, with what's going on with our health in this country. You know, it requires the agricultural community. It requires the healthcare community and consumers you know, mm -hmm. we all have to get on the same page about what our goals are. And I think, you know, a lot of us do have the same goals. We just have to, you know, we have to align and really support each other. But I, I really want to encourage healthcare practitioners more to, to get on board with supporting this, this movement of, you know, changing our food system. Thank you. I love that, Sarah. I love it. And, um, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about principles, mm -hmm. right? That we're, we're talking about nutrition and we're talking about lifestyle changes, 
And you've talked about how individual these things are. Uh, we've covered a lot in all of this. And so before we wrap up, I do want to talk about like, what are three principles that you would leave people with? And I will either do one of those or add a fourth. <laughs> and that is that uh, it helps with everything that we're talking about when you cook at home, when you are touching and preparing your own food, when you're taking the time to understand what is happening in your own kitchen. Yes. That is one foundational principle that I would say it helps with your health. It helps with your community because then, you know, you have, you might have food to share. I mean, so often when I'm cooking, I have just enough for one more person. Yeah. Even I'm cooking for a lot of people already. Yeah. Awesome. And so I'll invite somebody over or I'll take it to somebody. And that piece of just that interaction can add so many layers of joy. Yeah. That connectedness, that meaningfulness. And then there's also the more you cook, the more you're going to understand your food. Full stop. Full yep. stop. You're yep. going to understand what's going into your body. You're going to understand more about where your food is coming from and what flavors are there. You're going to understand what you like better and the people you are cooking for like. I mean, it's yeah. so multidisciplinary. But you've got two or three principles. What would you leave people with as, as principles? Not individual components, but big umbrellas, big principles. I feel like sourcing is huge. So that's, you know, the first thing I would emphasize is really just start to do that, that research, you know, on who, who's in your area, what farms are in your area and, and, and actually, you know, just kind of bringing your family out to the farm, seeing if you could do a farm tour and just starting there, really learning. And I think exposing your kids to that is a really beautiful thing to do, you know, take a little field trip to the farm and have a day at the farm with the family and, and get to know your farmer and trust them. You know, you want to feel like you trust the person that's growing your food. So it's kind of wild that we have a food system where, you know, it's like, you're just trusting a label. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's kind of a precarious situation, right? So I think sourcing is very key. And I love what you said about just what you're doing in, in your kitchen, you know, obviously getting to know your food. And I was just talking to a friend about this who's also a huge foodie and she's just cooking is just like, it's so foundational to life. Like, how can you not have, a, you know, you must have these skills and it's okay. If you don't know how to cook, you can always learn, you know, there's so many great resources out there, just simple, simple things. And you know, hopefully we'll collaborate on some cooking classes or something at some point to, to teach our local communities how to cook and prepare different foods. But, you know, I, I feel like that's foundational, but it more so what you said about having, you know, preparing extra food to maybe invite someone over. I think thinking about your meals is not just even about the food. Um, I heard this saying that, um, you know, basically like it, it have the most kind of fulfilling, nourishing experience when eating meals it's, it's not what you ate, it's who you ate with ah. and who you're connecting with. And I heard that at a conference recently, it was beautiful. It was um, someone that had, I guess, traveled to some of the, you know, the, the areas of the world there, we have these long lived people, these centenarians, and they, you know, asking, what are your secrets to long, you know, long, healthy life. And they say, when we ask people what they, you know, what they did for dinner last night, it was more so who did you eat with? We don't ask mm -hmm. what did you eat? So I thought that was an interesting kind of, you know, shift, you know, because often we say, oh, what'd you have for dinner last night? Or you went out to a restaurant, what'd you eat? But no, mm. who'd you eat with? Who did you connect with over your meal? You know, and I know. That's beautiful because that brings back that holisticness. Yes, exactly. And that community and tying yeah. it all in, right? And just, you're not just, you're not just physically nourishing yourself with the food you're eating. You're also nourishing your spirit at the same time by, you know, who you're having community with and sharing your meals. And, you know, of course, and most people know that when you have like a, a big, lovely meal, you know, with your family or a group of friends, it's such a different experience and how you, how you, you know, experience that food, right. Versus if you had the meal alone. Yeah. So it's, it's a completely different experience. So um, I think that's something missing from our culture a lot and having that, you know, having food be kind of like this, this, um, sacred moment, really, like where you're holding space with your friends and family and enjoying that, that food together. But yeah, and the third principle, 
gosh, there's so many things that come to mind, but just think about um, that diversity. I think just really diversifying your, your food as much as possible and think about that microbiome, that inner ecosystem that you're really taking care of. You know, you got all these critters inside and, and on your body that, that are taking care of you. And so we kind of have to take care of that ecosystem and diversifying your food is, is key. Yeah. That's important on every level, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Sarah, this has been absolutely wonderful. And before we start the wrap up though, I want to make sure, is there anything else you want to add? I want to make sure to leave time for you to give contact information and where people can find you, but anything related to the topic that you want to add that we didn't get to, or that you want to expand on at all? No, I mean, I think, uh, you know, just keep, keep that, um, that thought in mind of supporting our farmers. I'm just very passionate about that. And, you know, and I know we see a lot of them really struggling and some are doing great and some are really just, you know, they're just trying to get by and there's so much we can do to support them and nourish them and their spirits. So that's, I think the message I want to leave people with is just by sourcing better food, you can, you have such a dramatic impact, you know, on everything around you. And on your own health. And on your own health. It's a two-way street there. Yeah. So So when you're buying the better food, you're keeping it going. Yes. You're making it available. Yeah. Okay. And where do people find you? You can find me at eco-nutrition.com or sarahkeo.com. And they can connect with me there and learn more about my work and and reach out and eventually getting a newsletter going as well. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to be doing that pronto. Yes. (laughs) And I'll include those links in the show notes so people can just find them in the show notes and click. Awesome. It has been delightful again discussing these matters. There's so much overlap and it's such a rich conversation to have. Yes, absolutely. Thank you you for having me and thank you for all you do, Liz. You're awesome. Thank you, Sarah. And remember, eat for health, know your neighbor, and grow some food.